You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right, check it out. Welcome to a Refrigerated Diaries hashtag. What's your ID behind the food? Keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music, topics. Let people know what's going on in your diary. So we've been waiting for this. You know, I I put the post out. We got a lot of positive energy around it. So we got our brother, brother Paul, here with Tiva Capital. Hey, what's going on? Yes. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want to get started here, uh, but first, we definitely have to go into your 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 diary. We're going to do one of the stories of you guys know and our listeners. We do our most awkward food experience and our most excellent food experience here. No names, you know. <laughs> We're not going to dry snitch here. We're just telling it how it is. <laughs> so uh, let's go into it. Let's, let's start with the excellent first. We'll do, we'll do the uh, the awkward after the break. Well, I would say the excellent is really the wow factor, the surprise factor. You know, when you go into a situation and you may your expectations are mitch, mismatched from what actually happens. To me, that that's what is that you know that 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 fire. So. One of my clients, no names, um, they have a vegan restaurant. And they were, I was, you know, pitching them, trying to get the business. And they, and just background, I am, I'm like the polar opposite of vegan. I don't know what that, I don't know what that's called. Like if I was, uh, I would, if I was a dinosaur, I'd be one of those dinosaurs that just eats meat all the time, right? So I, you know, I love, <laughs> right? I'm a carnivore to the, to the nth degree. But uh, so vegan, just by, you know, that is a distraction to me. But um, I was pitching the business and you know how it goes. They were asking me, well, have you ever even tried our product? And, oh, yeah, yeah, I love your product. It's great. So they said, well, what's your favorite thing on the menu? So I started stumbling and they realized I was, you know, <laughs> disingenuous. So they sent me over to their restaurant and I tried it, and I said, "Man, this this is really good. I mean, it, it had a lot of flavor, and it made me think, just for that brief instant, that I could be vegan too." And then I, you know, went home <laughs> and had a steak. But it was a great experience, and I love the fact that that alternative is popping up all over the city, and it, you know, it it makes it exposes you to something different. So I, I was really, really pleasantly surprised by the experience of. Knowing, going in there with certain expectation and coming out with, you know, just a totally open mind. Yeah, no, that's, that's solid. That's, I mean, I, I was a vegetarian for about five years and it wasn't until, uh, I, I was, I, you know, like you give up like Lent and things like that. I was already a vegetarian and I remember, I'll never forget, I was, um, I was at a pub. I was asking every everything like, can I can I get a a pizza? Uh, does uh, is there there pepperoni on on the pizza? I'm not trying to eat any meat. Um, you got any like meatless sandwiches, things like that, right? No, nothing comes up. So I'm like, yeah, yo, what about clam chowder? Yeah, <laughs> clam chowder. They're like, yeah, yeah, cool. So I'm like, eating the clam chowder, and I'm like, wow, like this is is just such a, a salty. <laughs> chowder you know so i i started to like feel like something chewy and i'm like man what kind of um fish is this and then i, I pull it out this is a 
fat, like thick cut piece of bacon. <laughs> and so, so is that one of your pleasant opportunities? Or oh, you no, the, yeah. I'm like, what, like <laughs> what, what a part of all these questions like that didn't, didn't come up, you know? Um, so let's talk about it. What, like for the folks that don't know, what is Tiva Capital? Tiva Capital, first of all, Tiva is spelled T-I-V-A and it's an acronym. It stands for Thoughts, Ideas, Vision, and Action. And it's a consulting service that uh, helps entrepreneurs who have a, a desire, a dream, and they're trying to make it a scalable business. Um, that's what we do. We go in and we do it from the financial side. My background is in investment banking. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur as well, serial entrepreneur, so I've always bounced between the two. And in my last venture, it was pretty successful. And What did uh, you do? <clears throat> oh, well, it has nothing to do with finance or food. I had a telecom company in, uh, in West Africa. And we would chase around oil and gas companies and sell them connectivity, amongst other things. And we grew it from zero to 20 million in revenue over uh, six or seven years. So I started to learn how to scale up a business, what's required of the business, what's required of the systems infrastructure, but more so what's required of you, the entrepreneur, as you transition from zero to a million, million to five five to ten, each step of the way you have to reinvent yourself. That's so big numbers. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, but you just, it's the same, in a way, it's the same thought process. When you're in startup mode, you're, I call it cowboy mode. You're like doing everything and you're just, you know, wrestling down every hunt and you're you're feeling good about life, but, you know, every day is a struggle. As you get bigger numbers, it's, you have different issues, but it's still that same struggle. I mean, you it's just like you're walking on, on a, on a tightrope, except you just get higher and higher. So one day, you know, when I first started, we were happy to have five, ten thousand in the account because that meant we could, you know, make payroll for two months. Mm-hmm. And then that became we we need to have a couple million in the account because that's how our our expenditures were. So you know, it, it looks like big numbers, but as you grow into that mode, you know, it just it, it's just a natural evolution. But Again, all, along the way, business owners have to make that conscientious step to, to, to go up there and increase their business, move it from a hustle to an actual business. And that's just a, a leap a lot of entrepreneurs don't, don't always right, make. Right, yeah. right. You know what? I like that. You got to move it to a, from a hustle, <laughs> you know, to the, an actual movement here. <clears throat> you know, the, one of my biggest qualms that I've always had with like administrative services associated with like business dev is that the person on the other end hasn't really run a business, right? Like, you know, like a lot of people got like a lot of advice about, oh, you need to do this for your business. Like, but like, what's your business? Like, where, where are you coming from? So I like that you have like an actual business that you've scaled and grown, you got dollars from, and now you, you're showing the reapplication of the model. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I've had the failures to go along with it. So I have the scars. And that makes me, I think, a bit more empathetic than, like you said, your typical consultant who has come out of uh, business school and they're looking at your margins and they're telling you that, you know, what you need to change or what, how risky what you're doing is. But they've never, they've never been through that situation themselves. So they can't be too empathetic to what you're going through. So I always say that, you know, in our business, we're, you know, we do it from the financial side. So there's, uh, 50, 60% virtual CFO work that goes on, 
another 30% of, you know, a financial coaching, and then 10% I'm a psychiatrist of small businesses, you know. So I get those <laughs> phone calls like, oh, my God, what's going on? And, 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 you know, for a small business, when you put everything you have into it, it's really like, you know, your your family member, your child, you know. It, it, it You know, it takes priority of so much stuff in your life, and having someone that, you know, you can talk to, that you can commiserate with is is just as important as just you know knowing your numbers. So we try to fill that that gap, and I, I love what I do. So it's it's always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> when was uh, Tiva founded? Tiva was founded <laughs> technically in 2017. August is when I registered it, but I just exited my you know my telecom space in Africa in the spring of that year, and I was looking for something to do, mm-hmm. and you know I was. Just sort of hanging out, just going to the summertime. So I was feeling good about life. And I was consulting with a couple small businesses, helping them scale up uh, just through recommendation, word of mouth. And uh, it was still, like I said, it was just a hobby at that point. And at a certain point, you know, I started running out of cash. And, you know, we have my wife and I, we have some real estate investments. So I said, okay, honey, why don't we just sell one of the properties? And, you know, I was, and she said, no, 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 you know, you eat what you kill. So if you want to go out and drink and, you know, whatever it is, then you need to go out there and make some money. You're not selling any assets. So it was good because it put me in startup mode again. Yeah. So it was Tiva was, one, fueled by my passion to help small businesses, but was always fueled, fueled by my desire to have a drink after work, right? So so that was the genesis of it. Right, yeah, she's, she's hardcore, man. She needs to be a financial manager. Uh, so I, I was working on it, you know, sort of off and on um, throughout 2017. And then 18, I decided that it was time to scale it up. So I spent the year working on products and solutions that were very useful to small businesses. You know, I had a full book of clients and started working with a lot of different uh, mission-based lenders around town. And then 2000, late 2018, 2019, it was time to, to you know, test out the product, and it was really time to scale up. So that's when I started hiring more people, you know, taking real-life decisions yeah, with it. So now right, it's right, right. an entity. And, you know, it, you know me, God. When, uh, once I'm once I'm in it, you know, I'm I'm going to just jump all in. So now it's time 100%. to really scale it. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're always looking for that wow factor, how, how to impress our clients by helping them understand their business to help their grow, grow their business. But our, yeah. our, you know, our – I would say there's we our our interests are directly parallel with our business with the businesses we serve. So as you guys grow and are successful, we're successful. Yeah. Yep. And so for those of you that are, um, are new to this here, uh, TV Capital uh, really has been instrumental in putting together a lot of the uh, reporting and uh, forecasting tools and measures uh, that we're using at Yum Village to to kind of prospect you know we do an open book management style and with that we we really focus on keeping it very 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 simple easy to understand you know and i know that a lot of times people get intimidated by that you know but the reality is if those numbers aren't positive and everything isn't uh, isn't healthy then eventually what's going to happen right cowboys they shoot from the hip you can't always hit when you shoot from the hip you know you you tend to miss more than you hit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so you um about how many clients do you have in the city right now? We we have some clients that we the recurring or residual clients that we service we serve as their virtual CFO. 
Mm-hmm. So we're over 10 in that space, and we also do transaction-based work. So clients who need a capital raise, I have one client that's looking to do an acquisition, so we we work in that space as well. And then there's and then we work in turnaround situations. So any given point in time, you know, we could be we can be working on uh, with our ten solids and our transactional work. It can it can fluctuate between fifteen and twenty. But you know, we're looking to grow that at at this point as a small business. Uh, you know, and your other listeners know that you grow your business and then as soon as you start making money, you reinvest by hiring more people. <laughs> so it's one of those things that you can't afford to, but you can't afford not to. But we're actively growing, we're actively hiring, and we're actively out there, um, mm-hmm. you know, looking for new clients to help because the more we can grow, the more we can we can do good and help the city. Yeah, and, the, and you know, that's that's one thing that I, I'm glad about it, right? Like, these are the growing pains. So here, you know, at Young Village, right, like right now, you know, we're – we're not really our grand open. We're still going through our soft open right now. Um, we're just now to a point where we're hiring people. That's right. We're hiring. If you need a job, <laughs> come and holler, you know, <laughs> say what's up. We'll, we'll say hi back. Uh, but, you know, the reality is we're structuring out the model so that we can afford to bring new people in. But it's a delicate situation because we can't bring more people in than we can afford to pay for it. Like we don't have a cash surplus, you know, that, that, those types of things. And so, you know, as a business, you know, how do you, actively navigate that properly what what are the steps that you you take to to successfully weather that because i kind of feel like when you're in a ship you mm-hmm. know it's you're it's like a rapid like you're in a raft uh, like a wild rapid there's rocks everywhere like you know one rock is like uh, a surprise <clears throat> bill like another rock is you know now we we have a full dumpster because people keep putting food, trash in their dumpster now you gotta pay for extra <laughs> like you know like right who knows you know like oh the oven's not working <laughs> like like it could be anything <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a great question and I, you know, I, I will take a detour and answer that, but uh, let me just tell you, in my last business, like I said, it was IT telecom, and I don't know anything about IT or telecom. <laughs> so, so it put me in a position where I had to hire early to deliver services that needed to be delivered, right? And why I say that? Because so many entrepreneurs, they start a business because it's what they love to do. And they end up uh, pricing it out in a way that they they just want to do the work, but they're not interested in making profit. They're not. They don't even value the, their their own time. When I started my own business, I had to price my my solutions out where I was able to pay a full staff of people and, and keep your and keep it running because I myself couldn't do it. Now, on the other side, if I was an IT guy. I probably would charge half the price because I wouldn't be thinking about how much it would cost to pay someone else to do the work. You know, I'm working for free because I enjoy the business. I'm growing the business. I'm just covering my costs. But many times small businesses, small business owners who started off doing something they love, they don't factor in what their time is worth. And you can't scale up. You can't build a, a viable business. And you certainly can't take yourself out of the picture unless your pricing and everything is put is put in place in a way that you can pay someone else to do your job and take over for you. And that's why so many business owners end up working in the business and not on the business. They're, they're focused on, you know, doing everything from A to Z, and they're not pricing their services, their product, their solution in a way that they're able to bring on more people and grow it. So I say from day one, make sure you pay yourself, 
Make mm-hmm. sure that you you built that into your pricing model. And I'm not saying like from day one, take out everything you have and put in your pocket, but make sure you factor in that one day you should not be in that role. There should be someone else in that role and your pricing should reflect if I have to pay a CEO, this is what I'm going to have to pay him. If I'm going to pay a, a chief operating officer, I'm gonna, you know, so you start building your solutions around that and taking yourself out of the business gradually. Um, having said that, how oft, how quickly do you do you hire people? I, the first thing is making sure that your product sells and is something that works, and then you create a system around it, and then you're able to deliver it. So in your business, you know, the first thing you did, and knowingly or not knowingly, was product development. You came up with your recipes. You knew what worked, you know, and then you eventually hire cooks and and servers and everybody else to fill the different, you know, to fill the different roles. But you have to make sure you have a viable product and test it out. And then the next step is to create a system. So step one is the product. Your business is the product that you sell. Mm-hmm. That's what, they, you know, so Yum Village has a great selection of tasty dishes. And I'm saying it because I eat there. I love it. It's great appreciate food. It, it, you know. <laughs> and uh, but But soon your business is not going to be the product. Your business is going to be the business model itself. How do you scale? How do you create systems? How do you, you know, consistently deliver that product and sites A, B, C, and D if you want to franchise? So, you know, you'll transition from how do you great make good recipes to how do you create a systematic business model that's going to run, that's going to work across the board. So yeah. that may not have answered your question, but uh, you know, hey, no, <laughs> hopefully hey, it was helpful. It was. It's definitely on the on the walking path here. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the restaurant scene, get your take on just a financial and fiscal efficacy as it relates to the Detroit Pulse. We, we turn on, what's your ID? <laughs> All right, welcome to Refrigerated Diaries, Behind the Food, keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music topics. Let people know what's going on in your diary. Hashtag, what's your ID? And we are kicking it with Paul Jones from Tiva Capital. What up? What's up? Yes. So we were just going into like the, the ins and outs of business dynamics as it relates to just making proper decisions for yourself. You know, I think it was a hashtag, leave your mark, hashtag know your worth, you know, right? You That's know, it. Putting it down on the table here. So, uh, we're going to kind of go into it here a little bit with you. Um, why don't you tell us about your most awkward food experience? Well, so my 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 most uh, wild experience was eating something that I didn't think I was going to like, and I I really liked. Uh, there's a couple really awkward food experiences, and back in the late '90s, I lived in China. Okay, and that sort of lends itself to a whole <laughs> a whole um, list of different experiences. And this was back, this was the the real China, not like the Starbucks China that, that you see now. But um, in one particular case, and I guess this, this audience is suitable, but, you know, you see all types of delicacies. And I was a, I was a professor, so they've always, my students were always trying to introduce me to new things. And whenever I went somewhere, I would always get like the the most flavorful part of the dish, which is also usually the weirdest thing, you know. Uh-huh. And one time, um, I I had this this out where I would tell everyone, like, if there was something that I did not like, instead of being rude, like, I'm not eating that, I would say I'm allergic to it. 
right? <laughs> so that was my way of being polite. So there was a situation where they they served me a dish, and it was after you know having a few beers, and I see this thing. And I'm that looks like a, a you know looks like a a a, pe- a bull's penis, uh-huh. and it was it was literally that. And I asked them, I said, "What is this?" And they said. <laughs> confirm my you know <laughs> so i said uh yeah i'm a, i'm allergic to that i definitely you know so a couple of days later you know same student sees me at like this this little restaurant was, like the one american hamburger joint in shanghai at the time and i'm getting down on a hamburger you know enjoying <laughs> life and they come to me and they said you know uh you know jones we thought you were uh allergic to the you know to to the beef and uh, I said, you know, I, I'm not allergic to the to the beef. I'm just allergic to penises. I just can't eat penises. So that was <laughs> so that was my way of getting out. And then there's a short another story again. My time in China, I uh, one of my one of my friends, he ended up, um, you know, we were go out with a vendor, and he gave me this soup, and it was really really tasty. I mean, I was enjoying it, and. Uh, um, I asked him what's in this soup, and he said, "I'll tell you after." Which you know, I should have been very suspicious, but I kept <laughs> on eating. And I said, "No, man, I gotta know." I said, "I don't care what's in this so good. I just want to know." He says, "We call it the nine meat stew." So as I'm eating, I'm counting down the different type of meats it could be. So I'm like, "Okay, chicken, beef, you know, snake, rabbit," and I, I'm getting to like the last three, and then I realize I really didn't want to know. So I guess that was an awkward experience, not because I was eating. I mean, because I was eating while I really didn't know, but it was surprisingly delicious as well. So you know, <laughs> I hear that some of the most awful meats you know that you could think of are, are the most delicious and delicate. Uh, still won't take me away from you, though. <laughs> well, I think as long as you don't know. I mean, you know, in West Africa, they have uh, this whole concept of bush meat, mm-hmm. and it's really you don't know what it is, right? You know, so let's jump in. As long as you jump in, and you know, you, you go without reservations, then it's all in your mind. Carpe but. diem, <laughs> you know, seize it, <laughs> seize exactly. it. So, you know, what do you, what do you like to eat when no one's watching you? What you got any secret? You know, you. Eating anything on the low? Oh, well, that's what they say. No one's watching, right? So you're not <laughs> really supposed to say. Oh, um, you know, I I like my ramen noodles. I got to be honest. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I really like to get into it, you know. So uh, it's a throwback to the college days. Uh, so I put all types of stuff in there. It's like I empty out the fridge and put whatever is in there in my ramen noodles, and it comes out really good. So that's sort of my my go to. Other than that, um, you know, every now and then, you know, I still got to get down on my White Castle or got to get down on on different you know different foods that you know as you educate your palate a little bit and you you don't associate yourself with you still when no one's looking after dark you got to go stop by this restaurant this this greasy spoon spot that you know that you would never want your friends to know so yeah i, I sort of veer off the path that way i used to when i was a, a wee lad you know like a couple years ago those drunken nights someone told me that white castle did real egg on their breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> and so every night, like it'd be about like two thirty, one thirty, 
I hit the white castles up and, and I would, and I would be like, yo, do you guys use real eggs? And, <laughs> and from there, that became my, like, my, like, little secret passion. Like, I, I had a white castle up in the wee hours, like around 1.30. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you, you never lose it. You sort of, you know, put it in the back burner, but every now and then, like you said, after a few drinks, you know, you lose your, your fast food inhibitions and you go for it. And yeah. you feel it the next day though, right? You're really like, oh my God, what did I do? Why did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of trends are you noticing in food? You know, you're, you're on like a, and you, you don't just deal with, with food clients. You deal with everyone. Uh, make that clear. Tiva Capital handles all of the dollars, you know, imagine a world where you can discuss finances and business development in a one-stop shop. Now, that's where we're... we're wow, that was pretty powerful, man. I want to uh, call those people. Who's that? <laughs> um, no, you know, again, just being back in Detroit in, for the last couple of years... Everything's different. Like, you know, when I first came back, I, you know, I was just sort of privy to this whole uh, food truck scene. And I think that that has been a great, a great thing because it's allowed people to test out concepts without going all in. So the whole pop up, you know, pop up scene that a few different food halls are, are, are coming on the scene, uh, the food trucks. So it's allowing people to test their concept out. Um, and without spending all their dollars and getting it off the ground and in developing the following. So I think that's, that's really great for like the, the up and coming food artists out there like yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, and then just the blend, like, you know, there's a couple of you and there's a couple, another, a couple other African restaurants out there. And having spent the last 10 years in West Africa, I certainly can appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that just the new wave of people coming in and the, the uh, low cost of doing business relative to other cities in the U.S. has just made, you know, Detroit a, 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 a breeding ground for new concepts. No, that's fantastic. You know, um, one of the things that I, I find very noticeable in, in the Detroit food scene right now is just a commitment to incorporating partnerships. Like I have noticed that in the past, when you, you think of, uh, of the very first time that you drove by, what was, I think the first one was like a church's chicken and a Domino's or like, like that, like joint, mm-hmm. like joint business where it's like just two different concepts that now, like work together. I have noticed that a lot with just businesses in general now. I was in Florida recently and there was a car wash that had a restaurant inside of it, you know? So I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's awesome. And then, um, Megan, uh, is talking to me about, um, future wifey there for those that don't know, um, is uh, talking to me about an, uh, airport parking structure that also does detailing, car wash, and oil change. You know, just basic features for your car and a one one stop shop. You know, I I um would uh would definitely do that. Like I I almost want to get a parking lot at, with a car wash and see if that I can do that here <laughs> in, in the city. So I I I agree with you. I think that the, the trending there is like second to none. Um. Do you think that there's going to be like any like shifts in food culture this year? Like, have you anything that you've seen or just any shifts in business culture? I do. Like I said, I, I see that it's, there's so many more pop ups that are happening. Um, yeah, I, I'm seeing so many different ethnic 
uh, food groups that were underrepresented coming on the scene now. What you guys are bringing to the table is just phenomenal. You know, just spending time in your restaurant, seeing people come in looking for a chicken or a hamburger and coming out, you know, with a whole different appreciation on, on different food types is, is, you know, been really eye-opening. Uh, seeing a few Filipino restaurants opening up. So I, I think, like, you know, Detroiters are, are really getting exposed to a lot of different food uh, types. And, you know, and again, like I said, the vegan scene has just exploded here. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, like, I've seen vegan restaurants in, in the hood, right? I'm like, you know, I know that brother's not vegan because I just seen him at the rib <laughs> joint the other day, right? right? But it's like, you know, it's it's coming across where you don't have to be vegan, to eat at a vegan place and appreciate the food, you know, and I think our minds as a city are just opening up, and then that breeds more and more concepts coming to the table. So I think it's it's, it's perpetuating the momentum's there, man. I mean, you never know what the next concept's going to be, but you know, it's you know, it's 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 being well received. So it's not just open up a new Coney Island, but it's more of you know something off the grid, off the radar, and. Um. Yeah, I, I'm really, really impressed, and 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 um, yeah, always taken aback by the new concepts coming online. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, as a, a proponent of just pushing businesses forward, is there anything that you'd like to see more of inside the uh, biz world here? Like, you look, you look at quite like, intimately, quite a bit of different companies. Like, you're absolutely like in the. Uh, like most people want to like, I would say that you're probably more in the know than most people <laughs> who think they are in the know. <laughs> From the number side, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of the the various restaurants and and other companies that are in the headlines, and you sort of know what <laughs> what the numbers are behind it, so you get that perspective. Yeah, but I would say one, um, when companies come on the scene, uh, there's a lot of capital sources out there, and making sure that companies come up and they have the right capital base to market, to advertise, especially if you're coming up with a new concept people haven't heard of, and there's that educational factor. So I think the financial education piece has to match the creativity and the innovation out there. So making sure that you have the right dollars in your pocket and they're, they're out there. You know, there's all types of funding sources out there. So seeing entrepreneurs tap into that and being able to, to have the sustainability to, to, to promote their business and their new concept is, is one key thing. And then, like you said, a lot of collaboration. So, you know, I, I, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know if this exists. And if it does, if it doesn't, you create it, pay me royalties, but like a hair salon where people are delivering food there because you're waiting all day to get your hair done. You know, so all these cl- uh, cross collaboration activities, I think that uh, I love to see more of that. Detroit's a big city. Well, I would say it's a small city or a big town and everybody knows everybody. So I like to see how, how different concepts are coming together. The shopping shops are out there. The, uh, like I said, the pop up scene is out there. So more of that and being able to, to test your product out and, and, and before you go all in, before you pivot, understanding, you know, how well the market receives it. So I think we, I think we're in a good situation. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. What else do young brothers come up with, young sisters come up with that, uh, that, you know, just blows our taste buds away? 
Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Any and all hair salons, you know, let us know. We got you. Exactly. You know, we'll, Delivery, baby. We'll, we'll set it up. <laughs> you know, barbershops too. We got you. You know, that, that's where it started. That's you got to go after the captive audience, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yep. should You should do that, man. Get all on your circuit and just do your hair salon delivery track, right? Yeah. So uh, before we, we head out in, in, in our uh, our talk here i i understand that you're going to be doing a little bit more of this like tv capital like keeping us informed you know doing some uh some more content out here you know like uh what what can we like realistically like see like do you think we we can see something like a, on a monthly basis or like uh yeah so i'm old school so i'm gonna launch a newsletter right <laughs> so we're gonna do our newsletter just with a few tidbits out there um uh, through Motor City Match, they they have me on speaking engagements with this whole cityscape going on. So I, I I'm on that circuit, and yeah, I'm looking forward to just different opportunities to to spread a little bit of financial uh, knowledge about scaling up your business, how to extract money out of your business. You know, entrepreneurs we put so much into it, but we never pay ourselves. So how to pay yourself out of your business and mm-hmm. how to and how to uh, to take it to the next level. So, yeah, um, one, I appreciate you keeping me on your show and, and anyone else out there who who wants to uh, bring a financial aspect to your to your discussions. You know, we're we're ready to come out there and, and drop a little knowledge. Absolutely. And honestly, I recommend it. Make sure you do it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Paul. We appreciate you here. If you want to go know more, you know, it's uh, Tiva Capital. We can uh, reach us at TivaCapital.com. Yep. The website, you know, is Googleable. You know, it's always the first check on a successful business as you can Google it. So it's just up and running, you know, and I can uh, tell you firsthand that the conversations are insightful and the, uh, the knowledge is impactful. And, um, you know, anybody, uh, can, can, you know, tell you what to do with, you know, your numbers. You know, there's YouTube videos of, of about that, but no one is going to be able to, to give you the sounding board perspective on how to properly grow and scale your business through these murky waters. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to tell you real talk, you know, so definitely give the brother a call and, uh, and be on the lookout for that newsletter and, uh, all future content from Tiva Capital on financial efficacy coming soon. All right, that's Refrigerated Diaries. We appreciate it. Uh, we've been getting a lot of requests for music. You guys want to get done with that? Uh, we appreciate that. Let us know. We've got an awesome event coming on. It's called the Sacred Circle Cipher. It's going to be happening this Friday. Come by. It's free. We're going to have some authentic African drummers circling around, getting it down, doing it for the culture of Detroit, African, and the city. All right, we'll see you on the next episode.